Today we're going to talk about encouraging one another. If you've ever seen a flower drooped over that gets sprayed with water and it pops back to life, that's because it receives some encouragement. And in the body of Christ, we get drooped over sometimes. Trials, pain, difficulties, loss, failure, all can cause us to droop over and we need to be sprayed with life. That's why God wants you to be a part of the family of God where you can either spray life on others who need it or receive life from others who can give it because that shows you understand the nature of our true God who has created the spiritual family so that we can stay encouraged during difficult times. The author of the epistle to the Hebrews knew that they needed to be encouraged not only to receive it, but to deliver it. We're gonna find out today why encouragement is so important because if you wanna get it from God, you must give it to others. around discouragement, when you are around it long enough, it'll, it'll take you down. All of us have been around people who took us down. In fact, sometimes you want to avoid people because you know they're going to take you down. You're going to have to listen all day to what's wrong, how long it's been wrong, how bad, how bad it is, woe is me. Some people live in discouragement. And when you're discouraged long enough, you get depressed. And when you get depressed long enough, you enter into despair. And when you enter into despair long enough, you just want to die. You just want to give up because discouragement can dominate us. A lot of things bring discouragement in our lives. Family problems, financial problems, health problems, problem problems. One of the great one another's of Scripture one of the one another's that God calls us to that he wants to bring back to you because you give it to someone else is encouragement. We're told in scripture to encourage one another. So what does it mean to be an encourager? Why is it important? Well, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is writing to discourage Christians. Christians who wanted to give up throwing the towel because it had gotten tough and rough. They were going through negative experiences and their get up and go had gotten up and gone. Uh, they were not motivated to continue in the faith. They wanted to give up on God, give up on Christ, give up on Christianity. And when a person is discouraged, they are desperate for some hope. Hope is the antidote to discouragement. Hopelessness is the encouragement of discouragement. All of us knows what it is to feel that sense of hopelessness, to, to go down the, the tunnel of a train track and see no end in sight, and when we do see a light, it's only the light of an oncoming train. To live under overcast skies in a fog of discouragement and hopelessness. We know what that feels like and looks like for a period of time. We've all been there, but to be dominated by it, 
for it to become a way of life is a discouraging, depressing, and despairing way to live. And so he writes, the author of Hebrews writes to these discouraged saints. And notice what he says from verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest who is over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says that one of the things that ought to be paramount in the house of God is encouraging one another. That the vital encouragement that we ourselves will need from God, we are also giving to others. That the vertical encouragement we want, we also give horizontally to others. What you are seeing here, he says, let us not forsake the assembling. That's the gathering of the church. The assembling is the gathering of the church. In fact, the church is called the assembly. It is, it is coming together, but not just coming together for worship service, coming together for encouragement. Hopefully, a lot that comes from the pulpit when you come to church on a Sunday encourages you. But that's not the encouragement he's talking about. He's talking about encouragement one to the other. In other words, believer encouraging believer. Saint encouraging saint. When somebody is down, there's somebody close enough to them to lift them up. You see, one pulpit can't hug hundreds and thousands of people, but somebody sitting next to you can. Somebody who's involved in your life can. Somebody who knows you by name. When our church was small and we had 20, 30, 40, 50 people, I knew everybody. When the church began to grow, I knew nobody, <laughs> at least by name, because it was just impossible to keep up with names and growth. But if the church is being the church, somebody ought to know your name and somebody ought to care about who you are and what you're going through. That's why the Bible tells us to laugh with those who laugh and weep with those who weep. Well, you can't laugh with them unless you're with them. You can't cry with them unless you are with them. Uh, nothing encourages me more as a pastor than when people write or call me and tell me the saints of the church lifted me out of my hole when I thought I was going to give up. It was a suicide victim who told me I was just about to throw in the towel when some saints came over to my house and wouldn't let me quit, wouldn't let me commit suicide, wouldn't let me throw in the towel. And now I am full of life and I'm looking for somebody to do that for too. Again, it's comforting others, Second Corinthians chapter 1, with the comfort wherein you yourself have been comforted. So a great way to look at encouragement is find something that you have had to be encouraged about 
because you were going through it at that time and how God used something or someone to encourage you and find somebody going through that same or similar thing and be their encourager. He says we are to consider ways to stimulate one another. Stimulation is where your emotions get picked up. Stimulation is where something sets you ablaze, a fire where the heat comes on because sometimes we get dull and lifeless due to circumstances of life. So what he wants is an encouragement team. If you're leading a small group, you're what my daughter Priscilla used to be, and that is a cheerleader. She used to be a cheerleader. We had to go to events just to watch her cheer, okay? We would watch her cheer. Now, the interesting thing about a cheerleader is they have to cheer whether you winning or losing. You see that? They're going to cheer if you score a touchdown, but if you fumble, they're still supposed to cheer. And they're supposed to smile and grin and cheese and all of that while you losing. Other team could be beating you to a pulp and they boom, 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 boom. They doing all of that. They cheer. Yay team, go team. It's 50 to nothing. Go team, go team, go team. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to instill hope. Often in what is a difficult situation. God is looking for some cheerleaders in the church because there are a lot of people who are losing at life. Being a Christian doesn't take away all the problems of life. It doesn't mean there are no down days. I would love to be able to say with integrity, come to Jesus and it won't rain. Sometimes you haven't seen rain till you've come to Jesus. Sometimes it's thunderstorms because the circumstances of life have just become for that season too overwhelming. That was a situation with these Jewish Christians who were under pressure to walk away from their faith due to their circumstances in life. And he says, that's not the time to stay away from church. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. That's not the time to go to bedside Baptist and mattress Methodist. Because you know, when, you, when, when you're depressed, you want bedside Baptist. That's where you want to go to church. You want mattress Methodist. You want to you wanna stay in and put the covers over your head. He says, no, that's the time to get stimulated, reinvigorated. Uh, uh, you know, in the Bible, some of God's choicest servants had to deal with depression. Depression doesn't mean you're unspiritual. Depression means you're struggling right now. Okay? So you can be spiritual and struggling. Remember Elijah, he got depressed and he asked God to take his life. He got so down, he didn't think he could make it anymore. And God brought some ravens, some unlikely source, because ravens were unclean birds, the most unlikely source to encourage him and then ultimately the widow of Zarephath. So God came alongside. See, the reason that you don't have to give up is because God always has a source to encourage you. And his primary source are people he brings into your life who become encouragers because they know where you're coming from. See, so all of us can't know where everybody else is coming from, but we can know where somebody's coming from 
because we've been in a similar situation. Paul got discouraged. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we were at the point of death under a great ordeal of affliction. I mean, we're talking about the greatest Christian who ever lived who didn't think he could make it any further. He had a thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. A thorn in the flesh, this irritation in his life. Some believe that the irritation in his life were people who were getting on his nerves. Okay? All right? Because Paul had this group of folk following him called Judaizers. And every time he went somewhere, these folk would come behind him and try to destroy what he was trying to build up in the churches. And so it is, it is believed because he says you had a messenger of Satan. Okay? Uh, that's like your mama telling you you ain't nothing but the devil. That's a messenger of Satan. All right? Anybody have any messages of Satan in your life? Look like the devil and just set them up. And they just keep showing up at work or at home. And, and, they, and, and, and it's discouraging. He says, I had a thorn in the flesh and it wouldn't go away. He said, I prayed about it. I asked God to get rid of it, but it wouldn't go away. But you know what Paul says? He said, God sent people into his life during difficult times. One time he says, God sent Timothy. Another time he says, God sent Titus. He, 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 he brought people into his life to lift him up during those down times. Encourage one another. All of us know the feeling of overcast skies, but it is critical that when people come to the family of God, that they don't have to go to the bar to find encouragement. They don't have to go to the club to find encouragement because they will find their greatest encouragement in the family of God. But that can't happen unless the one another's are in place. Did you know one of the reasons God allows you to become discouraged is so that when you are encouraged, you have experience in an area somebody else is going to need. See, it's one thing to tell a person you know where they're coming from. It's another thing to know where they're coming from. It's one thing to say you're sorry about what they're going through. It's a whole nother thing to feel the sorrow that they're going through because you've been there and done that. You know, that's what makes Jesus Christ so spectacular because the scripture says he sympathizes with our weakness having gone through every category of struggle that we ourselves have been through without sin. So it is absolutely critical that you know there is purpose in your pain and the purpose in your pain will always be tied to ministry to be an encourager because we're in one of three situations. We, we're either in a storm right now that discourages us or we just came out of a storm that discourages us or we're headed toward a storm that will discourage us. Because that's the way the ebbs and flows of life work. But when you are in community, when you are in a place where people are caring about people, people are coming alongside of each other to lift each other up during those down times, then you're in a place of life when life counts most. And that is during times of discouragement. This word encouragement is used of the work of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes alongside to help. When God says, I'm going to give you in John, St. John 14, St. John 16, I'm going to give you another comforter. He's talking about a paraclete. Paraclete means one who comes alongside to help. 
So an encourager is not just somebody who goes, mm, mm, mm. I sure feel sorry for you. A encourager is not just someone who says the word, but who wants to know if there's anything they can do to help. You can't do that for everybody, but you can do it for somebody. It reminds me of the story of the, the boy who was walking along the beach with his dad, and the tide had rolled in and washed up hundreds and hundreds of starfish on the beach. So hundreds of starfish had been washed up on the beach. And every now and then, the dad would reach down, pick up a starfish, and throw it back in the water. He'd walk a little bit further. He would reach down and pick up a starfish and throw it in the water. He would do that as they walked along the beach. The little boy looked at his dad and says, Dad, you know, there are hundreds of starfish. Every now and then you pick up one and throw it back. What does it matter when there's so many? His dad looked at him and says, Son, it matters a lot to the one I threw back. We can't address every need. But that doesn't mean we can't address a need. A need of somebody nearby. But you got to be close enough to see the starfish. You got to be close enough to pick it up. And that's why the ministry of the church is to mobilize the membership to care for one another and to care by giving them hope. That's why I love Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 brings out this concept in a direct way, in Romans chapter 15 and verses 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, verse six says, you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you saw that he says encouragement twice. He says encouragement is not only exists, but encouragement exists for the purpose of giving hope. What is hope? Here is hope. Hope is joyful expectation about the future. Hope is always future oriented. Jeremiah 29, 11, we all know it. I have a plan for you, saith the Lord, a plan for your well-being and not uh, for your calamity to give you a future and to give you a hope. Hope is future oriented. Hope says, my tomorrow is going to be better than my yesterday. My future better than my past. Where I'm going is going to be better than where I am or where I've come from. Hope lets you see your tomorrows in spite of your yesterdays. Most people want to give up in one way or another because they don't see anything better coming down the pike. Their thought is, my tomorrow is going to be as messed up as my today. Our job as encouragers is to come along and say, no, God is still on the throne. You're still here and he still has a plan. 
If you can see something better, some of the problems we're having in the lives of our young people and the lives of our families is because they don't see any hope. He says, through the encouragement of the scriptures and the encouragement of the one another, as he says, with the same perspective, same mind, you are to infuse hope into people so that they can see that God has not quit on them yet. And when people can see a glimmer of hope, that becomes encouragement that there is a better day ahead. So you and I are to promote and give hope. Have you ever seen a, have you ever seen a plant drooped over because it didn't get enough water? And, and you know, it's just hanging over, plants just hanging over, and you spray some water on it. And when that water gets in it, it starts to, it starts to get a little life and perk up a little bit, get a little color back, get a little color back, and all of a sudden, it's standing strong because it got sprayed with some water. Well, I want you to carry an encouragement bottle around and <laughs> spray a little encouragement because that, that down believer who's ready to throw in the towel, when they feel a little, when they feel a little uh, encouragement come their way, hope begins to spring up. And they see, well, maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow will be better. Maybe, maybe it won't be like I think it will be. Maybe I don't have to quit until one day the gleam comes back in their eyes and now they're looking for somebody to encourage because they themselves have been encouraged. That is the principle. I remember in 1996 watching uh, the Olympics and there was this gymnast, this young lady named Carrie Struggs. A little gymnast and her, uh, her job was to win the gold medal in gymnastics for the United States. And it was all on her shoulders. Her jump would de determine whether they won the goal or not. She went and did her flip on the vault and came down wrong on her ankle, twisted her ankle, twisted it bad. She couldn't even walk. But if she didn't jump again and get a higher score, the team would have lost. She stood over there on the side crying. She was crying because she was in physical pain, but she was also crying because she was in emotional pain. Her ankle was hurting, but her team was losing. That's called two-time discouragement. And because the pain was so bad, there was hopelessness. In other words, I can't run. And without run, I can't jump off the uh, little trampoline. I can't flip and I most certainly can't land. All right? Because then you have this hard impact. But over on the side was Bella Carolla. Some of y'all saw that. He was, the coach was over on the side. And he was saying, Carrie, you can do it. Carrie, I believe in you. Carrie, it's going to be okay. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. He kept pumping encouragement in what appeared to be, as millions of people looked on, a hopeless situation. But he kept it coming. He kept it coming. He said, you go for it, girl. We believe in you. You keep going. So she limped around to try it again. But how could she do it? She couldn't even walk. 
she stumbled forward as best she could. You had to get a certain speed. She couldn't do that speed. She went up on the trampoline as, as much weight as she could take, grimacing in her face with the pain. She hit the vault and flipped over. She came down, whop, and then lifted up her leg, but stayed straight on one leg. She got the score to win the gold medal. She was asked afterwards, Carrie, how could you do that? She said, when I started out, I was focused on my pain and I was focused on my problem. But my coach got me focusing on him. And when I stared at him, it allowed me to endure the pain and it gave me hope that I might be able to pull this thing off. We need some coaches in the church of God that says you don't have to throw in the towel. You don't have to give up. You don't have to run away. We believe in you because he believes in you. Because the Lord Jesus Christ believes in you. Have you ever seen a mother or as a mother that baby gets up and is trying to walk the first time and it can't even take one step? You don't say, oh, you big dummy. You say, come on, come on. Come on. Oh, you can get personal with it. Come to mommy. Come to daddy. Come on. You know what you're doing? Even though they are falling, you keep encouraging them to continue. Why? Because you believe that they're going to make it. And after you do it long enough, they believe they're going to make it until they make it. And then when they become an adult, they're going to do that same old line with their kids. Come on. Come on. In the family of encouragement, we're saying, come on. Don't quit. Hang in there. Keep fighting. It's going to be all right. Carrying one another through encouragement. Encouraging one another. That's what the church is for. Oh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves but gather and come up with ways, stimulate one another to encourage one another. A man was in Iowa and there had been a, a massive tornado that tore up everything in this little town in Iowa. A policeman happened to see a young boy, this man who was a policeman happened to see this young boy carrying whatever goods he could pick up from his destroyed home and having a younger fellow on his shoulder. He said, sir, son, boy, that, that you're carrying a lot and you got that boy on your shoulder. He says, that's, that's too heavy. The boy said, oh, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. I know we all have a lot to carry on our own. But when a tornado hits, and you remember that that's your brother, that's your sister, who need to be carried just a little way until they can walk on their own. When the church becomes that, now it's a living, breathing, life-giving ministry that is causing hopeless people to find hope through encouragement.